the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Tuesday, October 18, 2022. I was taping the Bill Bennett podcast this morning, talking about a range of issues, and it'll be up in a few days, I imagine. But we started off by talking about where we are as a country and my own thesis that we are not a center-right country. Bill had a great set of evidence to the contrary, and we can talk it out here, of course, if you'd like. We'll know a lot more after November 8th. But we were talking about my list of things people are supporting, wittingly or not, but supporting nonetheless when they vote for Democrats. It's not the witting I worry about. You know my hypothetical example, the 40-something good and well-meaning mom who doesn't pay that much attention to politics, but who gets a little news here and there. And when she does, she gets it from CBS or NPR or CNN or she hears a clip of the president or the vice president or the secretary of Homeland Security, Security saying the border is secure. And she doesn't really know otherwise or see otherwise, in part because the government has turned off the monitoring cameras at the border and the media is largely in the service of aping the Democratic Party line and will not make an investigative story of that. And it won't be broadcast and it won't broadcast the Fox News drones of the border either. So that's her basis of knowledge. While, meantime, if she knows one thing about Republicans, it's that they are racist or, at a minimum, supportive of racists, because that's what CBS or NPR or CNN or the president tells her or tells her friends who tell her. Because at the end of the day, the most think about this, the most popular show on Fox News gets about three million viewers in a country whose midterms will get about 100 million votes or voters. To put it otherwise, 3% of the midterm voting population watches Fox News at best. Sure, there are other outlets. The Wall Street Journal editorial page with 2.9 million eyeballs or 2.9 million readers, likely with a Venn diagram of crossover between Fox viewers. So not exactly another 2.9 million sets of eyes, but a, a reinforcement of, very, of a very large portion of them. And there are other outlets here and there as well, like talk radio, of course. But that's not more than 20 million Americans. And again, we have the Venn diagram of crossover between Fox and the Wall Street Journal. So it's not a unique set of 26 million different brains and voters, but likely a cross-section of much less than that. With some additional ears on talk radio and some additional eyes on Jesse Waters. So maybe 20% of the voting public sees and hears our stuff. Now then, for those not in that 20%, and I have no idea how many we are talking about, but take my innocent and well-meaning 40-year-old mom or take any age voter outside of our 20% and think about what they think and what they know and what most of them think and think they know. And it's that Democrats are moderate and Republicans are not, or even worse, are racists. Yeah, the economy's not good, but do I trade $2 gas prices to vote for lunatics? Making the trains run on time is not, as less expensive gas is not. 
justification to vote for a party of insurrection and violence, after all, is it? What they don't know is what it means to vote for the Democratic Party. And it means the following. I did a version of this a few weeks back, and I'm thinning it out, but it's probably worth recalling. To vote for a Democrat means voting for a party that tolerates and endows and supports actual self-declared socialists. There are at least six socialists, self-admitted, in federal office. The Democratic Party does not condemn them and, in fact, supports them, even in primaries, where more moderate Democrats try to unseat them. Socialist chairs the banking committee in the Senate. There are what? Think about that. There are well over 100 more self-declared socialists holding elected office under the Democratic Party banner throughout the country in state and municipal offices. It means voting for a party, the current head of which has twice this year called his Republican opponents fascists, and a party, the president of which has called his opponents semi-fascist. A party where the current Democratic candidate for governor in Arizona has called us white nationalists and neo-Nazis. To vote for Democrats means to vote for a party that turns a blind eye and deaf ear toward rioting and even hosts and boasts of a vice president who encouraged such rioting and helped fund the bailing out of violent rioters. Voting for Democrats means voting for a party that nominates judges and justices to the Supreme Court who will not answer the question, what is a woman? Voting for Democrats means voting for a party that supports efforts to encourage children to physically change their biological sex and the supports concealing those efforts from their parents. If you vote for Democrats, you are voting for a party that believes 1776 was not our founding date and that slavery is our national ethos of origin and not freedom and equality. If you vote for Democrats, you are voting for a party that believes people should be judged for the most sublime positions, privileges, and immunities based on human beings' most crude characteristics, like their race, rather than their most refined and human characteristics, like their ability, their morality. If you vote for Democrats, you are voting for a party that supports the legalization of dangerous drugs and the encouragement to try to use them safely rather than to try to get help for addicts or support prevention so as to try to stop them from the enslavement of their souls and the destruction of their minds that such encouragement and use represents and activates. If you vote for Democrats, you are voting for a party that thinks it just fine to teach five-year-olds to think and act out sexually with age-inappropriate lessons and behaviors. If you vote for Democrats, you're voting for a party that believes it okay for men to compete in women's sports and at every age, for men to enter and use women's bathrooms and showers and locker rooms. If you vote for Democrats, you are voting for a party that wants to shovel hundreds of billions of dollars to the leading state sponsor of terrorism in the world. If you vote for Democrats, you are voting for a party that believes the world could use and should have another official carbon copy of Iran or Syria in Gaza and the West Bank, while stripping the rights and power of the United States' greatest ally in the Middle East, an ally that is as close to the United States in political and civil rights and freedom and foreign policy outlook as can possibly exist. If you vote for Democrats, you're voting for a party that wants to boycott travel and finances to that country. If you vote for Democrats, you're voting for a party that wants to take the Pledge of Allegiance out of our schools and countenances virulently and proudly anti-Jewish and anti-Christian bigots who fulminate about race and justify terrorism at our colleges. If you vote for Democrats, you are voting for a party that wants to prohibit people based on race and religion from accessing public and private university facilities. If you vote for Democrats, you're voting for a party that thinks segregated classes and graduation ceremonies are not only justifiable but positive goods. 
If you vote for Democrats, you are voting for a party that wants to secure other nations' borders with weapons, personnel, and taxpayer expense, but does not want to protect its own border. If you vote for Democrats, you are voting for a party that wants to strip First and Second Amendment rights from Americans, but wants to elevate beyond any limit Fourth, Fifth, Sixth, and Eighth Amendment rights to violent criminals. If you vote for the Democrats, you are voting for a party that believes states and municipalities can nullify federal laws. If you vote for Democrats, you are voting for a party that wants gates, fences, and armed security for itself in leafy and expensive suburbs, but does not want other Americans to have those same barriers barriers and mechanisms of security and self-defense. If you vote for Democrats, you are voting for a party that wants to give and has given voting rights to non-citizens. If you vote for Democrats, you are voting for a party that believes American citizens must be mandated to take experimental vaccines multiple times to enter the country or for children to go to school or engage in social activities, even when children are not at noticeable risk for ill health or mortality from the very thing the vaccine is meant to prevent or mitigate. If you vote for Democrats, you are voting for a party that believes it should pay people not to work and tax people to pay for the college education of others not related or even known to them. A party that wants to criminally prosecute people for political belief and service in an opposing party. A party that tries to conceal the goings-on at school board meetings and curricula debates and discussions and will weaponize the FBI to put the fear of prosecution and surveillance onto those who want to exercise their First Amendment and federally protected and parental rights. A party that believes it more patriotic to sit or kneel during the Pledge of Allegiance and National Anthem to stand for it party that believes life at seven and eight and nine months can be sliced to death, depending on the whim or choice of someone else. I was reading some stuff today about how we got here, and we got here through what Karl Marx instructed, the use of social education to challenge the stumbling block to the revolution. What's the stumbling block to Karl Marx? Institutions like nature and the family. As Whitaker changed Burs described it. It's not new. It's just more prevalent than before. He put it this way. It's man's second oldest faith. Its promise was whispered in the first days of the creation under the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Ye shall be as gods. It is the great alternative faith of mankind. Like all great faiths, its force derives from a simple vision. Other ages have had great visions. They have always been different versions of the same vision, the vision of God and man's relationship to God. The communist vision is the vision of man without God. It is the vision of man's mind displacing God as the creative intelligence of the world. It is the vision of man's liberated mind by the sole force of its rational intelligence, redirecting man's destiny and reorganizing man's life and the world. It is the vision of man once more the central figure of the creation, not because God made man in his image, but because man's mind makes him the most intelligent of the animals, close quote. And so we have this morning a story about the River School in Washington, D.C. Do you know of it? Driven by it a million times. Tuition there is $41,000 per year in the K through four grades. I'll repeat. Over $40,000 a year for elementary school. And they put out a school-wide notice yesterday. One of their teachers, Mr. Tristan Powell, is pregnant. Let us all celebrate. The memo they put out states, quote, 
With preschool-age kids, we tend to wait to announce a pregnancy to the class until closer to the date. That said, you are welcome to chat with your child at home if you'd like. When we do chat as a class, we will prepare the kids for Tristan's absence and explain the reason. For kids who have associations with pregnancy and a certain gender, Tristan uses the language of, quote, some boys have bodies that can have babies, and I have the kind of body that can have a baby. Isn't that cool? Close quote. For older kids, the memo states, Tristan shares simply about his transgender identity by explaining, quote, I am transgender, which means when I was, a, when I was born, my grown-ups made a guess that I was a girl, but when I grew up, I actually was a boy, close quote. You are welcome to mirror that language at home, the River School administrators tell everyone. Oh, thank you for that. And that's one of our nation's top and most expensive schools, pre-K through fourth grade. This is what and where the leaders of the country and our world, or a lot of them, send their kids. You think everything is okay here? This is now normal because it's the goal. It's fancy. It's expensive. It's elite. It's avant-garde. Literally in front of everything else, leading the way. You think this is fine and the right direction to keep going? The Democratic Party does. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960, 602-5080-960. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I was just working on my Adam Carolla impression. If you're worried about stock market volatility, um, what if I could offer you an investment in a portfolio with a strong fixed rate of return and no correlation to the stock market? I can do so because YReFi is doing so. They have a unique investment opportunity, which is all in a secure and collateralized portfolio with an up to 10.25% return Foreign invest for investors. And the investment can be in a trust, it can be in an IRA, it can be in an individual investment, a joint investment. These are great guys. Why Refi is a due diligence approved firm and they do really well by doing good for others. And you can be a part of that too. Just check them out at investyrefi.com. That's the word invest, the letter Y R E F Y dot com. Or give them a call at 855 316 3087. 855 316 3087. Never a sales pitch. Talking about, you know, just how much the media plays cover for the Democrats and Joe Biden. It's it's hard to keep a running list. And, you know, every once in a while, an article will come out on it. Issues and Insights uh, did one uh, today that I kind of like. Uh, they start by saying, take the incident in late September, just last month, when Biden repeatedly called out for a dead congresswoman to come forward in an audience he was speaking to. It was a conference on nutrition and health, and he was thanking lawmakers who'd worked on the issue. And he said, Representative Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? I think she was going to be here. He was speaking of Re Representative Jackie Walorski of Indiana, who had died in a car wreck the month before. Biden even issued a statement at the time saying Jill and I are shocked and saddened by the death of Congressman Jackie Walorski of Indiana, along with two members of her staff in a car accident in Indiana. Yet there he was searching her out in the audience. 
most cognizant Americans saw this for what it was, another worrisome sign that Biden's mental acuity is rapidly declining. For the press, however, it was an opportunity to praise the 79-year-old. Jill Lawrence, a former commentary editor at USA Today, wrote, quote, There's another way to look at this, namely how generous and professional Joe Biden is. He was just trying to be nice to a lawmaker, after all, and a Republican won to boot. She continued writing, What a guy. How refreshingly different from that evil Trump. Some things are more important than age and a perfect memory, close quote. wonder if the presidency is less important than old age and lousy memory. Of course, that was so very touching. Then within a matter of days, but the New York Times and the Washington Post each published stories defending Biden against his habit of lying about, well, just about everything, including and mostly himself. The Time headlined its article, quite, quote, Biden, storyteller-in-chief, spins yarns that often unravel, close quote. But here's how it described Biden's habitual fabrications. Quote, Mr. Biden's folksiness can veer into folklore with dates that don't quite up and details that are exaggerated or wrong. The factual edges shaved off to make them more powerful for audiences. Washington Post made the same exact point. Quote, put Biden in front of a crowd and he'll try to connect with it, even if at times the connection seems to stretch the available facts, close quote. When delivering a commencement address for the U.S. Naval Academy, the Post story went on, quote, he claimed to have almost attended the school when he spoke to a group of athletes in Israel. He suggested he came close to trying out as a walk-on in the NFL, in the NFL, Bill, the NFL. So you see, Biden's lying is just another sign of how decent he is. He's just trying to connect with his audience. How kind and thoughtful of him. The Washington Post remembers the paper that kept a running tally of what it claimed were President Donald Trump's lies, many of which were statements like, quote, my job was made harder by phony witch hunts or, quote, we have tremendous African-American support, close quote. By the way, when people talk about those long lists of lies, the Washington Post was um, was telling and keeping a tote board of. Those are the kinds of sentences we're talking about. Those were examples that the Washington Post said were lies that should concern us very much. A quote like, my job was made harder by phony witch hunts. Anyway, which is an opinion. I mean, I happen to agree with that opinion. I believe it is true. But it's certainly not a lie, whatever you want to call it. Not if words have any meaning whatsoever at all. Um, We can get into more of this, and and we shall uh, when we come back, um, because... You know, it's it's a version of my truth, I suppose, on steroids. Donald Trump wasn't entitled to his truth, which was not fiction so much as opinion. But Joe Biden is entitled to his truth, which is literally fiction, irrespective of anything having to do with opinion. And there's a lot more of him, too. All right. I'm Seth and we'll be right back. Six zero two fifty eighty nine sixty. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. 34 after the hour brings us the great John Dabrowski. He is the founder and president of Grand Canyon Planning Associates, his website, grandcanyonplanning.com. He has his own radio show as well. It is heard here every Saturday morning at 7 a.m. It's the Word on Wealth. How are you, John? Fantastic, Seth. Thank you so much. Your oil lube up your tongue a little 
a little bit for today? Yeah, I'm a little better today. Thank you. You, you really <laughs> shamed yourself yesterday. <laughs> I'm teasing. I tease. Uh, John, a couple stories are kind of interesting to me. Um, first of all, I see that Netflix is, is picking <clears throat> yeah. up here. Mm-hmm. You know what's kind of funny? I kind of tuned off of Netflix. I have all these things. I have right. all of them because, you know, they play one show on one platform and one on another. So <laughs> yes. I end up having to saturate myself with these subscriptions. And I hadn't looked at Netflix in a while because it was just kind of crappy. And I just went on it the other day. And they yeah. have some new good stuff. Yeah. Maybe that's why. Maybe content matters, you know? Well, maybe it does. But, maybe. they, yeah, they, they came out and reported and beat expectations, uh, blew right through it, and, uh, you know, more than 2.4 million new subscribers. Uh, and uh, they're they're definitely seeing some uh, positive momentum. Of course, the stock came down from a tremendous high, uh, and it's been rebuilding, but it certainly it seems to be back on the right track right now. The uh, yeah, no, that's right. Uh, the other thing that was kind of interesting to me too, I was looking at um, the, I guess the the federal the the IRS is is going to raise tax brackets and standard deductions by 7%. Agency implements adjustments to key tax code parameters following these formulas set by Congress. So the 37% top marginal rate will apply to incomes above a certain higher number, right, than it did before. And the standard deduction will climb to 27700 for married couples, 13850 for individuals, both also up about 7%. Good move or... Well, I think anything that would would allow you know taxpayers to hold on to more of their money is is a good move. So if there's things that you can uh, deduct or things that you can you know uh, take advantage of with the IRS code, you certainly want to do that. That's why I usually am a proponent of working with a CPA because oftentimes we may think we understand the tax law, but uh, it's a pretty complex uh, part of our our law, and we want to make sure that if there's any benefit and anything that we can take advantage of that the IRS allows, we want to certainly be able to do that legally. That's right. That's right. Um, so it gets me to this issue having to do with inflation. I was looking at how much revenue the U.S. government has collected so far this year, mm-hmm. and there's actually a running clock for those that, that care clock, about this. Yep, yeah. The, income, yep. the answer is $4.4 trillion so right. far this year, and counting, but $4.4 Trillion, obviously a little more after after this week's doings, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I was thinking about that, $4.4 trillion, and there's still these requests for money. 2018 was a great economic year for the United States. Mm-hmm. We, we were, everyone was doing really well in 2018. We spent $4.1 trillion. We are taking in more now than we spent only as, as recently ago as 2018. Isn't this a case for to make... That this, A, is a problem with regard to inflation, and B, maybe we should be able to run our government off 2018 numbers and give back these hundreds of billions that seem to be over and above what we've ever needed before. Yeah, and that that is an excellent point, Seth, and, and that would make perfect sense in a, in a logical world. Yes, but? <laughs> but now we have $31 trillion in debt, and we didn't have that back then, and we have much higher interest rates. Now, every time interest rates tick up the way they do, that adds expense to our national um, – you know, our, our cost of, of doing business, sure. right? And so this is a challenge for the federal government as well as interest rates go up. You know, as interest rates were coming down uh, and the U.S. was able to float bonds, they could have refinanced all of that, that high, high interest rate debt that they had. And they did some of that. 
but now they're reissuing new debt at a much higher rate, and the cost of that debt is going to, at some point, uh, you know, get to a point to where how do we bring in enough revenue to cover that debt? Uh, it's, it's, it's something that you and I have talked about on the show often, about our own personal finances and how if you have X number of dollars of income coming in and you have X number of dollars going out, it's a basic uh, you know, math, math uh, question and answer. Uh, you can't do it. Uh, but the government doesn't see that because they can do one thing we can't, and we've said it before. They can print money. Yeah, that's a, that's exactly right. But I agree with you. Yeah, we we have revenue coming in. I that, mean, it's interesting. Yes. You look, you even look back at years prior into the into the Bush administration and the Obama administration. We were spending, you know, a trillion less than we yeah. are now. Mm-hmm. And I just don't remember a great deal of privation and people saying, "I wish we had more money floating around from yeah. the federal government." No, yeah. there's enough money coming in. It's just that, of course, the people in Washington they it's, want to spend it yeah, as fast as it comes in and more. Of it. That's exactly right. Yeah. All right. Thank you, John. You bet. Securities and advisory services offered through Creative One Securities LLC, member of FINRA Incipicate and investment advisor, Grant Canyon Plenty Associates LLC, and Creative One Securities LLC are not affiliated. You're back. Back on track. I love it. Hey, nice. I'll <laughs> talk to you tomorrow, Johnny. <laughs> Thanks. All right. Bye. bye. Joe Biden is the weakest president in modern history, and who knows who's pulling his strings behind the scenes. It all adds up to economic chaos, with inflation running rampant and America in a recession. The Biden regime denies. Seth Leibson here. More than ever, it's time to think about putting a portion of your investment into gold and other precious metals with the only gold company I recommend, the Midas Gold Group, the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group. Why? While stocks and bonds are crashing down 20% since the beginning of the year, gold has held its value, protecting wealth and investment. So I recommend calling the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group to safeguard your savings and investments with physical gold or other precious metals. You don't want to say, I wish I had. You can find them online at MidasGoldGroup.com. That's MidasGoldGroup.com. Or better yet, give them a call at 480-360-3000. 480-360-3000. It's gold hold. Rick is in Mesa. Hello, Rick. Hey, how are you? I'm well, sir. How are you? Well, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, ESG. Environmental, and, uh, and, social, and governance investing. Yes. And I've been, uh, you know, thinking about it, doing a little bit of research. Um, you know, I get up in the morning and I watch the financial channels and I see these companies that don't make any money and are pursuing things that aren't that profitable and <clears throat> kind of wonder how that works. And I, I do a little bit of research and, and I found that um, the big asset managers, Vanguard, uh, Blackstone, State Street, they all own uh, majority shares in each other. Mm-hmm. So if you look up Vanguard's biggest shareholder, it's Blackstone. And if you look up Blackstone's biggest shareholder, it's Vanguard, okay. and State Street is right in there. Okay. And, and, and I, I can't imagine why they would want to do that. Since they're an asset manager, why would they want to own a big share of their competitor? And I imagine that that is to control the board of directors. Yeah, and that sounds. You, that's you so far at, I'm tracking with you. That sounds about right to me. And then you look at a company like Twitter as an example. Yeah. That until Elon Musk got involved there, they were the biggest shareholder. All three of them had the biggest, were the largest shareholders of Twitter. Okay, a company that's never made a nickel. Right. 
However, its impact on on our society and uh, <clears throat> censorship and all the things ESG, um, it kind of leads you to think that that might be at the root of that problem. Yeah, is you know how these companies um, take our money and you know if they want Twitter to go up between the three of them. <laughs> It goes up immediately. If they want it to go down, it goes down immediately. Yes, because and, and I imagine, I imagine part of this ESG ethos, which is basically shorthand for injecting wokeism into corporate governance. That's that's what it's. Yeah, about. I mean, it's the same as the Chinese social score. There's really no difference. Right, right, right. Uh, I was I was thinking of a um, of a story. It didn't get nearly enough attention uh, when it came out. Uh, I don't know if you saw this. Bank, Bank of America in Texas is offering uh, no interest free mortgages, but only if you're African American. So yeah. you, remember, we used to be opposed to green lining, you know, which was banks, yeah. you know, not, not committing loans well. to areas that, ha- right? So now they're, yeah. they're green lining against whites, I suppose, in a way, or anyone who's not African American in Texas or United yeah, Airlines. And, and other they, airlines um, have followed suit, saying that 50 percent of their pilots they train will, over the next 10 years, be people of color and women. Uh, well, OK, uh, if, if that's what it means to qualify to fly a plane, uh, good, good work with that. But that's that's all examples of ESG. And I think when you come I'll let you talk in a second, Rick, or I'll give it back to you in a second, I should say. Um, when you think about, you know, the interwovenness that you were speaking of with all these asset firms, asset firms, and that one of the things they, they loved owning was Twitter, Twitter controls information. What better? What better thing to own? Even if it doesn't make money, there's no ba- better control than controlling information, right? Well, and they control, you know, it's Including not Including a, a conversation you and I might have on Twitter about this very problem. Right. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. the same thing with uh, airlines and and you know every company. Yeah, is is that they're taking our money, and they're forcing them to invest in things that aren't going to give us a return. Yeah, you know that's a, that's a, not a fiduciary responsibility um, action, and uh, you know and and I think you know I'm no I'm not a scholar or anything. But I think if you, you know, if the the Sherman Antitrust and the Clayton Parker Act, if you read it, that they're not supposed to be loading up each other's board of directors with right. um, each other. A herd of independent minds, know, what Robert Nisbet once called it, a herd of independent minds. Yeah, I mean, right. if you read that those acts that, that they don't enforce anymore, right. it, it clearly is that you can't be on the board of one big company and on the board of another big company because it's, it's the same you know, being inbred, basically. Yeah. Well, I happen to know that at least here in town, some boards I serve on, you have to you have to make sure you have to sign off that you have no conflict of interest. Whatever happened to that? You would think the competitive nature of the other company would ipso facto be a constitute a conflict of interest, but they waive those. Well, don't some they? of the board, yeah. some of the board members on those that you know the like Vanguard. Yeah. I, I, I looked up. I don't have the names, and I might be a little bit off, but. You know, some of the board members are companies that that asset manager owns a majority yeah. sharing. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I know. This is kind of well, – und- go ahead. Well, I was going to say that's how – there's so many things in our politics, in our society, 
you know, the, the, the transgender thing. I mean, I, I don't have a problem with transgenders, but I don't think we should, you know, pattern our society, you know, to, to represent such a small percentage of, uh, you know, I mean, that minority might deserve respect, but that doesn't mean they need to control the rest of us. Yeah. Yeah. And our children, yeah. and you know some of those, all those things that don't make any sense whatsoever. Yeah, when the the, the regular citizen sits there and scratches their head and is like, "Where does this even yeah. come from?" Yeah, yeah, and that's where it comes. From. That's my theory. Is yeah, that that's where it comes from. Yeah, there's and, another part to this. I mean, everything you've said is right. All I can say is I agree, Rick. I, I don't have much more to add, except at a theoretical level, you look at some of these biggest of corporations, and you know, when Donald Trump and others in the MAGA Republican Party run for office or hold hold rallies and stuff, and they and they talk about you know the working class American being um, pushed over and pushed aside, shunted away, uh, not having a stake in um, in in the elites and in big business, it's it's a really interesting thing. Because it used to be the left that railed against big business, and it's now we who are doing so. I attach it to a comment I once heard John Hinderocker make on this show that I cannot get out of my head. We were talking about, I think, Coca-Cola, this great American icon, and he said, that's long gone ago, Seth. These are not American corporations anymore, and they're not. You think about it, these iconographic representations of America that you used to associate with with the company and this country. Coke would be a great example of one of them. They're just not. Um, they are really doing China's bidding, not America's bidding. And yeah, Rick, um, most people who aren't, you know, part of <laughs> part of these part of these boards of directors, um, we just don't have a stake in it and we don't have a voice in it. Many of you know we're doing a Battleground Talkers tour this Sunday, Sunday afternoon. Uh, we're kicking it off at uh, 3.30. VIP starts a little bit before that. It's uh, general admission tickets are very low. $5 gets you a seat for general admission. Uh, we wanted to make it as low as possible to expose as many to our message as possible. We're going to be having Charlie Kirk and Mike Gallagher, Brandon Tatum, Blake Masters will be there. Um, others will be there. I'll be there. And uh, if you are caller number two right now, we will give you a free pair of premium tickets. That is premium tickets that go for 25 bucks a piece. If you are not caller number two and you want tickets to this great event this Sunday right here in Scottsdale, uh, you can get them at 960thepatriot.com. Uh, you can get them at the general admission rate or you can get uh, the premium seating tickets. But right now, caller number two will get a pair of free premium seats. Um, if you are not, as I say, you can buy tickets at 960thepatriot.com, or we will uh, be giving out uh, more tickets uh, between now and Sunday as well. Of course, that phone number you're probably asking me for to be caller number two is 602-508-0960. This ought to make you happy. This isn't from any partisan source on our side. This is from Kylie Atwood over at CNN. The amount of oil in the U.S. Strategic Petroleum Reserve is down by roughly one-third since Joe Biden took office. That has left the emergency oil stockpile 
at its lowest point since 1984, when Ronald Reagan was president. We have our caller number two, by the way. Thank you. Uh, can you imagine? This is Biden preps to release another 14 million barrels in coming days. So we've depleted it to the lowest level since 1984. We have depleted our ability to be energy independent at the same time. And we're going to be releasing another 14 million barrels over the next few days from our strategic petroleum reserve which is there for national emergencies. What you may ask is the national emergency. What is it? I mean, there's a lot we could point to and say this is a crisis and that's a crisis. I spend each day talking about uh, our various crises. But constituting a national emergency to further deplete our petroleum reserve? What is the emergency? The emergency is people are going to be voting with their pocketbooks and wallets. That's the emergency to the Democrats and the Biden administration. Um, Pretty negligent, I would say. More than negligent, dangerous and equally bad, nefarious and malfeasant. I'm Seth Leibson. Don't go away. A lot more coming right up. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 